Welcome to the Light of Syria podcast. My name is Dori Fari and I will speak with a realized spiritual master about his views on life and the topic of spirituality. So here we are again to continue with the next episode, which is the second episode of the story of Master Sirio, which is about going to India. So we are really eager to hear about your story. Actually, I got some very nice positive feedback after the first episode from some people who listened to it. And people were very enthusiastic to to hear the continuation of your story. So it's much appreciated that you share all this with us in details. And it's really, really nice. So the last episode, we stopped there that uh, you decided to go to India to to find your spiritual guide. And so please tell us, how did it happen? How did you begin to realize this your plan? Thank you. So let's continue with this adventure, which was a real adventure. The biggest adventure of my life. I never did such a trip, such a long trip via land again. I've been in India, I guess, 35 times, but 34 times I've been going by plane, only the first time I went via land. So how did it happen? Eventually, after speaking with this English man, I became more and more convinced about going to India. But for making such a trip, you need money. So, where could I get my money? I used to work at the time. And I had a business of my own. Small enterprise. Together with my brother. So, I told him, look, I'm not interested to continue in this work. I want to be free and get rid of it. 
Do you want to keep it yourself? Or so there were two people working with us, they decided to buy their the enterprise. So we gave it to them. So I made money to go to India and uh, it was a good money. And I intended to stay in India for one year and a half. I didn't have idea that you need visas to stay in India, that you can just stay as much as you want. So in my head, I thought I stay one year and a half, unaware that you can stay only for six months. But why did you plan to stay one year and a half? Was there a reason behind or? It was my idea. <laughs> I wanted to stay long, so I decided one year and a half. <laughs> so that's long. So I told my friends, I decided I'm going to India. I want to find a guru that would help me get back that experience which I had in May 1972. But my friends also didn't have money. They didn't have uh, uh, the situation appropriate for them to take such a trip. So none of them could go. I think all of them would have liked to go because at the time was really in fashion going to India. Uh, but they couldn't go. They couldn't make up the money. And uh, one of them had some money. He was called Claudio Zaini. He was one of those with whom I started this commune there in Cernosco Sunavilio, living together there. So he followed me in my adventures. He followed me in my adventures with this commune. And now he was ready to follow me in this adventure going to India. But he was not even 18 at the time, or close to 18. And uh, you will reach the mature age in which you can take decision about your life freely at 21 at the time. So he didn't have a passport and his parents wouldn't help him having one. They didn't want him to get one because they knew they, his intention of going to India. So they didn't allow. But you could hear rumors, maybe also from that English man, that in Istanbul you can get a passport just paying some money, a fake passport, easily. <laughs> and with that, you can continue your trip to India. Up to Istanbul, you can go without passport. Just ID, it's enough. There you can buy one. So we took courage and we decided to go. So I, at the time, I was living in Milan. So first leg of the journey was going from north to south Italy, Brindisi, where there is an arbor and you can take a boat to Greece. But before going to Brindisi, we decided to visit Rome. I was somehow attracted to this town. It was something, uh, uh, something, uh, you know, 
spontaneous. I was attracted to this town. So I wanted to spend some days and come to know a bit more this, uh, this town, this situation in the town. So we went to Rome and we spent there some three days, three days fooling around and visiting a bit the main places of the town. And uh, in that occasion, I felt that I had some, so to say, karma with this town. Let's say I had a destiny with this town, that I would spend time in that town. And it was true because later on, many years after this, I used to go to, Milan, uh, to Rome um, two days every week. So that's how my life went eventually later on. But anyway, I had a taste of uh, the atmosphere of the town, and then we proceeded down to Brindisi. Brindisi, it's very near to the place where I was born. It's Brindisi, it's 50 kilometers far from Lecce. So <clears throat> it was a place, I mean, a situation that I was used to because very similar to where I was born. So we spent one or two days in Brindisi, and eventually in the evening, of the second day, we boarded the boat or the ferry that took us to Patras in Greece. The whole night sailing, going through. And we arrived there the next morning. But uh, actually, it just came into my mind to ask you, why did you decide to go via land? That's a good question. We decided to go via land because for me, it was uh, obligatory in my understanding to take this slow and long process of going to India. I wanted to experience this slow passage from the west to the east. Like a pilgrimage? Like a sort of pilgrimage, because, uh, yes, to make it really a profound experience, it had to be via land, because if you take a plane eight hours, you are in India. But if you go via land like this, to me, it took a month to reach India. So you get ready. Your system, your psyche gets ready. That was my understanding of this trip. In, to make it really holy and uh, sacred, it had to be via land, via plane, wouldn't be a sacred something. Yes, it wouldn't have been such an adventure. Yeah. Like, you see, Master Kirpal was in Italy in December 1972. I could have, I mean, my destiny was with him. So I could have met him on that occasion. But I'm sure that for me would have been, would have not been such an impact as meeting him after going through all this long journey and eventually reaching India. If I had met him in Italy, I'm sure it would have not been the same. But after such a long trip, eventually you reach India and after a few days you meet with this person who is going to be your master for this lifetime. That makes it a very profound event. Uh, real impact, right. the impact of, with a saint. 
yes, something very special for which you had to work, for which you had to travel long to reach it, not just like it comes to you. <laughs> like You see, things acquire value and produce an impact, profound impact, if you really, let's say, sweat for them, if you really work hard for them, if they are given too easily, then you don't really appreciate. And that's about everything in life. Everything we get too easily, it doesn't have this great value for us. And in this historical time, in this present time, everything is gotten by everybody too easily. So nobody really appreciates anything. Everything is just taken for granted. But God should not be taken for granted. God is a very precious something, like the most precious diamond or precious stone or precious anything. So you are not supposed to take him for granted. You have to work hard to really appreciate it. So this experience for me made me really ready for uh, what was to come when eventually I met Master Kirpal. Because uh, for everything, we need to be ready. Physically and psychologically, spiritually. And this trip, this very long trip, made me really ready for what was to happen. So anyway... <clears throat> so what happened then when you arrived to Patras? Yeah. Because you made me so curious to know all the details of this trip after such a such an so, uh, introduction. Patras, then uh, the next place would be reaching Turkey, Istanbul. So from Patras, there was no train to go to Thessaloniki, which would be the next station in, uh, in uh, Greece. So we took a bus and we went through some very desolated areas like a jungle kind of situation or a wilderness. And um, that kind of uh, environment had a very special effect on my spirit. And uh, I felt a very deep spiritual perception. I became very inspired <laughs> and I remember composing some kind of verses in my mind. And I felt very, very inspired and very uplifted just by watching the outer environment in which we were going through. Eventually in the evening we reached Thessaloniki and we spent the night there and from there, there would be a train going to Istanbul. So next day, I suppose, I don't think we stayed more than uh, just the night in uh, Thessaloniki. So we boarded the train and uh, we proceeded on to Istanbul, which we reached, I think, next morning. It was a long trip. So... <clears throat> Eventually we reached Istanbul and we took a small hotel uh, which is was located in the square near to the Blue Mosque. 
The Blue Mosque was a very famous place for uh, these young people going to India. So it was part of the journey you had to go through <laughs> this. <laughs> the obligatory passage. Yes, this square of the Blue Mosque. So... <clears throat> But did you get some indications uh, how to proceed the trip before starting or? Well, this Englishman, he gave me some indications, mm. not very detailed, but some, the main important things, how like to, how to proceed. The square of the Blue Mosque. <laughs> so we spent some three days in Istanbul and we went fooling around, visiting the town, getting the feel of the town, the feeling. And uh, I, I remember some very nice watching some uh, uh, bakeries, ah. <laughs> typical <laughs> Turkish, and I was very attracted to them. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, then going to restaurants and eating something here and there, and fooling around and visiting the Blue Mosque, of course. Anyway, eventually. Claudio was supposed to buy a fake passport in Istanbul. I was just shaping the question in my head. So could he get it? So we were visiting uh, some kind of bar restaurant during the day. And uh, there Claudio met some people who told him, oh, we can get a fake passport for you. You have to pay this much money. I was not present when they were having the dealing about this and uh, I somehow I think I went back to the hotel and Claudio stayed in this place and he was dealing with these people by himself I was not present otherwise the whole thing would have been different it was important that I wouldn't be present because he was supposed to be cheated because he was not supposed to keep going with me to India I was supposed <laughs> to go by myself not with him you know these are all details which are very important and which happen, it may seem to be unlucky, but it's not, it's never unluckiness. It's always the way it is meant to be because of some purpose that you can't see, you can't foresee. So he was by himself and this way he was cheated because they told him, we, you give us the money and tomorrow morning we bring you the passport. Now, if I had been present, <laughs> I would have said, okay, I give you a small money. And tomorrow morning when you bring the passport, I will give you the rest of the money. But Claudio gave the whole money, which was supposed to pay for the passport. So, of course, next morning he went from the hotel down again to this place to meet these people and they never appeared. So he was cheated. Poor Claudio. <laughs> so he, he lost... <laughs> quite a good amount of money, didn't have much money already, so he lost quite an amount of money for this passport and he didn't get the passport. So because of not having enough money and because of not having the passport, most of all, he couldn't proceed. So he had to go back to Milan. Now, the uh, situation was such that if I wanted to continue, I had to continue by myself. And at the time, I didn't speak any English. No, now, taking such a long trip by myself without ever being able to understand anybody and to make myself understood by anybody, it was quite a challenge to accept in my mind. 
So I was pondering over, should I continue or should I go back also to Milan? So Claudio said, look, now when I was down in the blue, uh, blue mall square, uh, I saw a van from Italy, Como, which is a town very near Milan. He said, maybe they're going to India. Let's go down, see if it is still there. And if they come, these people, you all. We may ask if they're going to India or not. So I thought, wow, then maybe it's a, it's a possibility. So uh, we went down and uh, the van was still there, parked there in the square. So we, said, we thought, let's wait, see if they come. So we waited maybe half an hour, and then we saw four boys and a girl approaching the van and opening it. So I took the courage and I said, and I asked, hello, sorry, uh, I want to ask you something. Are you going to India by chance? <laughs> and they said, yes, we are going to India, just that. And I said, I asked, um, could they join you and come along with you? Because this friend of mine cannot proceed. He has to go back to it. He doesn't have a passport. So yeah, from now on, I should proceed by myself. And could they join you, please? So they, they were not happy with the idea because I think they already dis decided if anybody wants a lift, we don't give because we are five and that's enough. So everybody turned towards a certain man of the group, which who was called Cesare. And uh, they indicated yes to decide. So I was going to say no, 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 no. Not possible. But he couldn't say no. I saw in his face, he wanted to say no, but he couldn't say it. <laughs> so he said, okay, if you have money to contribute with the cost, then you can come. So he said, of course, I have money to contribute with the cost. Because anyway, if I go by train or by any public transport, I have to pay. So he said, okay, we are going. Just hurry up. Oh, just like this. <laughs> just like this. So I ran up to the hotel. I pick, pick up my backpack and my guitar. I had a guitar with me. And uh, down I was there in 10 minutes or so. So we started off for this very long trip from Istanbul to India, which would be some 7,000 kilometers. Oh, wow. And what happened to poor Claudio? So Claudio, he had to go back to Italy and he didn't have much money. So he tried to high check going. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't go the same way through Greece and then Italy. But he went through Bulgaria, Yugoslavia, and eventually Milan. So he had some money, he bought some tickets, but also he was high checking. So he had went through such a very tough adventure, really very tough. Very difficult to reach back home, but eventually he did. He survived, and he was alone anyway. 
So he was brave. Somehow he managed. <laughs> so we started off this trip and we went through many small villages in Turkey. I remember going through the mountains, finding the snow because we are still beginning of March. This trip began for me in Milan on the 2nd of March. So now we were maybe around the 10th of March. So going through Turkey, then we eventually reach the border with Iran. So we entered Iran and at the time Iran was quite, let's say, modern, westernized really, because there was still the Shah, there was not yet the Khomeini revolution. And um, so it was more modern, I could say, than Turkey. And uh, eventually we reach Tehran. And there we stay some three, four days to visit the town and also to allow the other four boys and girls to get their visa for Afghanistan. Because that's how they proceeded. I had all the visas already. I got all of them in Milan. But they went on like this. They say in Turkey they got the visa for Iran. Now in Iran they got the visa for Afghanistan. Then in Afghanistan, in Kabul, they got the visa for Pakistan. I like this. But did they have a specific plan or they were just traveling like this? So, of course, they were traveling. At the time there was quite a, you know, fashion of going to India because after the Beatles went to India with the Maharishi having that retreat for the young people <laughs> it became it became an obligatory step going to India to be according to the the historical time of that time you know the fashion of that time why the Beatles became so famous it was not by chance. Everything is moved by God. They were to become idols for the mind of that generation. And what they did became fashion. Anything they did became fashionable. So also going to India and having a spiritual retreat with a guru became a motive of fashion, which inspired so many young people to repeat the same, the same route, you know, the same way. So, so anyway, so many young people were going to India at the time. And uh, they were going, yes, as tourists, but they also had a business in view. So wherever they went, like in Tehran, they went visit some uh, specific place because Cesare, the one who was, let's say, the leader, the owner of the van, he had been in India already one or two years before, I think one year before. He had gone by car and he was buying some specific paintings, miniatures, you know, <laughs> which were very small but very costly. So he knew what to do in order to make money once he would be back in Italy. He wanted to buy certain things and make money through them. So it was, uh, yes, tourism. It was uh, the great idea of going to India, <laughs> and it was also business mm -hmm. for them. They didn't have a spiritual inclination, and they were not going for a spiritual purpose. 
But during the trip, sometimes when in the evening we would stop and go into restaurant and having dinner and sometimes spending time in the hotel room, which would be their hotel room, because I never, I think I never or rarely took a hotel room because I wanted to be cheap and not spend much money because I wanted to stay long in India. So I asked them, instead of sleeping in the hotel, may I sleep in the van? And for them, it was good because I would be like a guard for the van, <laughs> sleeping in the van. Sometimes one of them joined me and we both slept in the van. But I slept in the van most of the times. But anyway, sometimes during the dinner and sometimes when I was spending time in their room before going to sleep, I would talk to them about my spiritual inclination. And I remember sometimes coming out such an in, such incredible satsangs, you know, <laughs> so powerful that the whole room seems to be like over a cloud <laughs> and we would be all, all in the space, you know, <laughs> at least. That, that was my perception. I don't, I don't know how their perception was. So, so somehow they, they understood my philosophy and my motivation, my spiritual motivation very well. So they became very acquainted with my ideas about, about a spiritual quest, a quest for enlightenment. Anyway, so we spent some three, four days in uh, Tehran and um, they got the visa. Cesare knew the town already, so he took us to visit some museums, some very special places in the town. We went to some restaurants and having lunch and dinner and so forth. Eventually, we started off towards Afghanistan. And that part is very beautiful. It's called Khorasan, the part which goes from uh, Tehran towards Afghanistan. The next beast, big town you find is Mashhad. Mm -hmm. Mashhad is a very important pilgrimage place for the Shiites, mm -hmm. Islam Shiites. And when we reached there, there was a very important celebration. Celebration about Ali, you know, the, 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 uh, who was the uh, son-in-law of Muhammad who got married with the daughter of Muhammad. And he was one of his successors. You know, Muslim is divided, Sunnites, Shiites. So Omar was the leader of the Sunnites, and Ali was the leader of the Shiites. Eventually, they went into a war, one against the other, and Ali was killed, tortured. So when we were reached Mashhad, they were... You know, they, they, they do such such incredible things, these Shiites, you know. When they celebrate this uh, anniversary of the death of Ali, they, 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 they do such austerities, like beating their body and blood coming out from their body, you know, because they want to repeat that event, somehow to, to experience, to live that kind of event of Ali being tortured and killed. And anyway, so we... we we found ourselves in this kind of celebration. Sounds shocking. <laughs> yes. To experience such a thing. But very, very, very strong impact, such an experience, and watching all these people doing what they were doing. Anyway, to reach Mashhad, you have to go through this very, very peculiar kind of uh, uh, environment, mountains, 
sometimes snow also, some places, and these villages made of, uh, you know, earthen uh, huts, houses, uh, very ancient style, and watching them, I had, that also had some kind of mystical experiences because it was so, so uncommon for my eyes, this kind of view, this kind of landscapes and situations. So it had quite an impact. I remember experiencing some very mystical kind of states going through these areas. Then I think I have some uh, past with that place because I know and I am sure that some of my incarnations were in Iran. That's why I have such a strong affinity with Molana Rumi and the Khorasan and Afghanistan. Molana Rumi was called in the uh, was born in the part of Khorasan which now is in Afghanistan. And then he moved he moved to Konya later on with his family. So that place, that area for me had a very strong mystical appeal. And I remember when we reached eventually the border with Afghanistan, which was kind of a deserted area. Afghanistan is very deserted in many of its areas. And um, waiting for uh, the authorities to watch our passports and visas, there also had such a mystical feeling, such a mystical uh, inner condition, which was really fantastic. So we entered Afghanistan, and the first town you find when you enter Afghanistan is it is Herat, and Herat at the time it was really like oh my like going back centuries, you know, comparing with Europe, with Italy, Afghanistan, and especially Herat, it was like going back centuries. There were rarely any cars. Uh, there were mainly charts with horses and uh, bikes and people walking. That's it. So since Cesare knew very well the whole, the whole uh, uh, places we were going through, also Herat he knew, so he knew where to go. So he took us to a hotel that we, um, they spent the night. And actually, on that occasion, we all slept in a school. Somehow, we knew some people in Herat, and they allowed us to sleep in a school. So we slept on the floor with sleeping bags, I guess. And um, maybe they then would have been more comfortable. <laughs> well, you know, when you are young, you don't care. You sleep anywhere. That's how I was, and they also were more or less like this. So I think we, just some carpets, you know. Afghanistan is full of carpets everywhere. And uh, when we were in uh, in Herat, I guess, uh, Cesare took us to a family where they were doing carpets, making carpets, mm -hmm. so we could watch the pro procedure, how they make a carpet. They explained to us very well how they make a carpet. So we were wow. watching all of this. Nice. 
And uh, so we spent the night in this school. And I guess the next day at some point, we started off towards Kandar, which is south of Afghanistan. Because in Afghanistan, there are no many roads. So if you want to go from Herat to Kabul, you have to go first through Kandar, and then from Kandar you proceed on to Kabul. So we went this long trip from Herat to Kandar. The roads in Afghanistan were not so good at all, very, very narrow. So I would say only one car could be on the road. And when you meet another car, so one goes down the, 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 the paved road from one side and the other one goes down the paved road from the other side so that you can go uh, proceed. So it was an adventure in the adventure. Yeah. So anyway, we reached Kandar in the evening, I suppose. I remember at some point we met an Afghan young man hitchhiking. It was in the middle of nowhere, really, and we found this boy, very beautiful boy, and dressed up with this typical Afghan dresses, very clean, this white uh, kurta pajama that they use, uh, salvar, and um, a very nice uh, vest, uh, like a carpet, very beautiful. And he had a turban, and a very beautiful young man. So we took him with us, and uh, we, proce we proceeded on to Kandar. He was going to Kandar also. So eventually we reached Kandar. I remember it was in the evening, and there were buses, and uh, the square where we, where we arrived was full of buses arriving, going. There was quite a crowd, and there was quite a movement uh, happening there. Um, so anyway, eventually they took the hotel, and they... We had a dinner and they went to sleep and uh, I slept in the van as usual. <laughs> and uh, during this trip, did you did you happen to meet other Westerners with whom you interacted or just... Because it, it sounds as you described this trip going Iran, Afghanistan, like this sounds very desolated, like... No, they were like caravanserai, you know, some places, which in the middle of nowhere, there will be kind of caravanserai, where uh, even in the past, you know, where the caravans were moving, uh, doing their business, they would stop in the night. So they were, they're still, they were still there, those kind of places. <laughs> so we would stop sometimes there, and you would always see young people from <laughs> Europe or America, either coming back from India or going towards India. So they would, uh, you know, stop at the, those places with the bus, maybe if they were traveling by bus, because Afghanistan, for instance, had, had no train toll. There were no railways. So you had to go by bus. So the, these buses from time to time, they would stop at places, you know, for toilet, for drinking something, for uh, this and that. So there we will always find some uh, boys coming, uh, boys and girls, either going to India or uh, coming back from India. I was now going through this, you know, typical route through which all these people 
used to come and go to India because I was lucky enough to, to, to go with these people, with their band. Otherwise, I would have also had to go on buses and trains with yes. all these people going and coming <laughs> back from India. On the way back, I went through this way because I didn't have a band to go. <laughs> and uh, so I had to go through trains and buses and very long journeys like this. So eventually, anyway, <clears throat> we reach Kabul. And in Kabul, I had a very interesting meeting with a boy from Genova, an Italian boy. He had been in India in an ashram of a certain so-called Guru Maharaj. At that time, there was quite a rumor about this, uh, uh, this guru. He was a very young guru. At the time, he was 14 years of age. So he became famous through the medias, even in Italy, of this guru coming from India, 14 years old, mm -hmm. and making lots of followers in the West. So all over Europe and America, he had lots of followers. So I heard about him already when I was in, it in Italy. So he had been... This boyfriend, Genova, I don't remember his name, he had been in the ashram of Guru Maharaj in Hardwar, <laughs> which is near Rishikesh. If you go up towards Rishikesh, first you find Hardwar, then after 40 kilometers there is Rishikesh. So there was an ashram of this Guru Maharaj in uh, Hardwar, and he had been spending time there. And he talked to me in such high terms you know, my idea was to go to South India, to Pondicherry, because I had been reading the synthesis of yoga of Aurobindo, and I wanted to go to visit his ashram. I took him as my ideal, my guru uh, at the time. And so my idea was to go to Pondicherry. But uh, there, I, well, this, trip, this, this meeting was also very important, because somehow it began to change my mind about going to Pondicherry and take a different direction, which was very important. In life, every step is important. And in this, my trip, every step I took, it was very important. So meeting with this boy was also very important because by telling me about this ashram in Harvard, somehow he inspired me already in changing direction and going north instead of going south. So he told me about his, his experience in this ashram. He told me it was incredible. It was such a, such a blissful experience for me, like a, like a journey inside of myself, like a trip inside of myself. That's what he told me. So you, you should go and visit this ashram. If you happen to go north, and you find yourself in hardware, go visit this ashram. It's very valid, very important, very valuable. So I began thinking about this possibility. Eventually, uh, in, uh, in uh, Kabul itself, we went to the embassy because this my companions, they had to get their visa for Pakistan. So there at the embassy, 
we met with another boy from Turin called Adriano. So we, we didn't talk to each other, but we saw each other. And we understood that we were both Italians. Later on, I met this boy again in Pakistan, in Lahore, huh. in a museum. Okay. I was visiting a, visiting a museum with this, my friends, and we met there. So, oh, you were in Kabul, in the embassy. Yes, I'm going back to India. So we began talking, and uh, and uh, he was going to Rishikesh. Ah, near Hardwar. <laughs> so I told him, oh, a boy in Kabul told me about an ashram in Hardwar, and he inspired me to go visit this ashram. He said, so why don't you come with me? <laughs> I go to Rishikesh, and you stop in Hardwar, and go to visit this, uh, this ashram. So that's why I eventually, once I arrived in India, I changed direction. Instead of going southwards, I went. So like God wanted to make sure that you don't start to the south. He sent somebody in Kabul to tell you, don't go to the south, go to the north. Because your destiny is not in the south. Yes, and then... It's in the north. Just to be sure, he sent another person saying, look, I go to north, come with me. <laughs> well, so... That's how you arrived to India. It's an amazing story, really great adventure. Actually, I was uh, wondering um, how how you, you described all these uh, fortunate events, like this your friend Claudio playing with you. Poor <laughs> one, he just had the role to be cheated <laughs> because of being cheated and going right. down early morning. Do not receive the fake passport, see the Italian van with the guys who go to India so that you could just say goodbye to Claudio and continue your trip in such a blessed and how to say easy, safe. easy way, safe, safe. safe and easy safe way, way to, to travel with this experienced uh, person who knew the way and knew where to go. And I was uh, was listening, I thought, when you said, Oh, at um Afghanistan, they control their passports and visas, and I thought, oh, wow, <laughs> how it's easy, no? And you get out of a car, they check everything, and then you get back in the car and you go on. That sounds nice. <laughs> so it's good. And also, I was wondering that you said so many people moving and the caravans arise, and you met these Westerners. So I thought, oh, wow, when you see a Westerner, maybe for you it was, ah, okay, there is somebody <laughs> like me. And uh, now that... Uh, Okay, in Turkey, they were probably used to, to, to Westerners, but already in Iran and Afghanistan, for these people, all these kind of youngsters traveling. So I wonder what did they think about this movement. Hmm. It's very, very interesting. It um, really awakes lots of questions. Are, I mean, like, makes move the mind and thoughts as you describe it provocative for the mind <laughs> yes really <laughs> so i hope everybody finds it so provocative and attracting to to follow us at the next episode which comes after two weeks so we will eventually hear what happened in india so thank you for telling about this part of the adventure and 
to continue. Thank you to help me or remind all these events which are so important for me. Well, there is a lot to remember for you. <laughs> so luckily we can we have a lot to listen to. <laughs> <laughs>